Romans 13. Last week, we just got to the first, through the first two verses here of Romans 13. Um, we are going to recap those because when I put this together, it was with the thought of doing this all in one, one teaching, one presentation. And so, uh, you know, we, we need to set things up. But just to set up the whole message, last week we talked about how God is a God of order, how he is the God of order, how he is the only God of order, how he is the most high only God of order. And that order includes him putting individuals and governments in places of authority, that every soul is called to be subjected to those authorities in their life so that that order could help be maintained in the home, in the church, in society, that the doer of good would have good done to them. And we'll get more into this this morning. The doers of evil would be punished by the sword given to those in authority. And that sword looks different in all those various places of authority. We'll focus especially, though, this morning on the sword that's been given to government and how they are supposed to use that in an upright and godly way. Last week, we looked in a lot of detail, and we will overview it in little more detail than this introduction this morning to set up verses 3 through 7, but we considered again those god-appointed authorities as already mentioned in the home in the church in society and government ultimately we saw god is the highest authority over all those authorities and we talked about how when authorities that are in place require us to sin against god or to sin against our conscience provided our conscience has not been seared through sin that absolutely we honor god above all things and we looked at some examples of that this morning. Again, we'll briefly go over that in a little more detail as well this morning. And then we'll also see today, though, that when, when we sinfully rebel against authority, that there should be a fear in our hearts. And not just fear of that authority, but absolutely fear of God, because those in authority have been given that sword, and that sword's not to be meant in vain. It's meant to bring a correction so there would be order, again, in a culture, in a home, in a church, but more so, again, that there would be repentance and so forth. And so we'll talk about that this morning. We'll also see that those that are in authority face a stricter judgment. We emphasized that a lot that last week, that the heavier burden is on those in authority. And even look there in Hebrews where it talks about elders and pastors and again submitting that authority but doing it in a way so it's it's joyful and it's easier for them to lead as they're being led by the lord and again as they are called the shepherd people being submitted to god not for selfish gain but for the glory of god a stricter judgment and then we'll ask the question and look at the answer biblically if god points those in authority why are there so many wicked people in authority He'll even call them his ministers today. So you can say, why are there so many wicked ministers today on all these various levels? There's a reason for that. There's a biblical answer to that. We'll talk about a clear conscience as that's been coming up through all of this about, again, in yielding to authority, there is a conscience that we can have that is clear, a resting in the Lord versus a guilty conscience from a rebellion or even worse, a seared conscience. And so we'll see this closed out with us being exhorted to pay taxes to whom they're due, custom to whom they're due, fear or respect to whom it is due, and honor to whom honor is due, which again is a very broad application and yet a precise application as well in the context here before us. So again, that's a little bit of where we've been, where we're going also with this, it all follows under that umbrella of love that we looked at in the last chapter in Romans 12, 9, where it says, let love be without hypocrisy. And we know the, again, the, the, the first area of love is to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, our neighbor as ourselves. As we walk in these things, we're loving God. We're loving our neighbor. It's not a hypocritical love where we say, I love God, but I do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, and I'm not, re I'm not yielded to any authority whatsoever. You're not loving God in that. That's hypocritical. As well as, again, 
loving others and so forth and and yielding to these authorities we're doing that we're loving god we're loving one another and we're trusting the lord and we're walking by faith so let's read our text again together verse one through seven and then we'll make our way down through this again we'll we'll recap verse one and two a bit and then verse three through seven lord willing get down through the end of the text by the time our study you know what finishes out it says let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god and the authorities that exist are appointed by god therefore whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of god and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves for rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil do you want to be unafraid of the authority do what is good and you'll have praise from the same for he is god's minister to you for good but if you do evil be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain for he is god's minister an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath but also for conscience sake for because of this you also pay taxes for they are god's ministers attending continually to this very thing verse 7 render therefore to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due customs to whom customs fear to whom fear honor to whom honor so again god is the god of order seen in creation itself creation has order everywhere that you look we see order in prophecy in the word of god in prophecy fulfilled we know when man sinned in the garden he brought a disorder that came from sin but god gave the promise of the savior who would come and we know christ in his first coming fulfilled every prophecy concerning his first coming over 300 prophecies to the t absolutely according to god's order again concerning his second coming there are up to 1500 prophecies about the lord's second coming five times as many many that are even being fulfilled now in the days that we are living in in these last days and guess what even in the chaos that we see in the world because of man's sin and some people say it all seems to be falling apart absolutely everything is falling in perfect order and god is coming back again on the perfect time according to his perfect order we talked about order in prescribed manners of worship given in the word given in the old testament great details on how they were to worship god when they came and gathered together how they were to worship with sacrifice how they were to worship with praise how they were to worship in cleansings and so forth all given in detail there to the old testament believer and then in the new testament the same thing a prescription of order given uh, we touched on it a bit earlier in romans when we looked at even that word gift which means charisma even referring there to first corinthians 12 through 14 order given that things should be done decently and order absolutely spiritual gifts exercise but according to the prescribed order given by god again as some of the worship had gotten way out of order and it wasn't profitable it wasn't fruitful god being the god of order says do things in an orderly manner you'll be blessed you'll be more edified in that and then those that come in they won't say you're crazy instead they'll say god is truly amongst them we even see order in the resurrection christ being the first fruits and then us following at the rapture of the church a perfect order in the resurrection and it goes on and on and on everywhere you look in god's word you see order in creation you see order and absolutely to think this order came out of disorder is insanity and intellectually dishonest and yet what are our kids being taught in the world or in the school that absolutely all this came from disorder you know you give gas which where did that come from that's not explained you give it enough time and there can be an explosion which always brings disorder order never comes out of explosions and then you give it enough time and life came crawling out of that gas that came out of nowhere again we see order in scripture 
We see order in science. What do we know from science, from observable science? That's real science. Life can only come from life. And absolutely all life begins with the God of order. You see it everywhere. Listen, where there's not order, there's disorder, and that's not good. It's not good at all. We looked at this verse last week, James 3, 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts... So again, that's a picture of I'll do as I will. I'm not submitted to any authority. I'm not submitted to God's authority or anyone's authority. I am self-seeking. He says, don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, notice confusion and every evil thing are there. There's a lot of disorder in the world today because of man's sin. Because of man not being yielded to the authority of God. Anyone noticing the disorder in the world? I mean, it's just all over the place. It goes back to man being rebellious. Man doing as he wants to do versus being yielded to the Lord, to the word of God. And we see suffering coming out of that. We see pain coming out of that. You see, again, great despair coming out of that. You want to get order in your life? You want peace that comes from that order? Yield to the Lord the highest authority in all the areas of your life. And I'll tell you, you will be blessed by the order and the peace that comes from that. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. God is not the author of confusion, but notice, but of peace and all the churches of the saints. And even as a local fellowship, If we want to walk in a peaceable manner, I want to walk in a peaceable manner, don't you? Can we say amen to that today? Then we need to be yielded to, again, the Lord's authority, the word of God, so we can walk in conjunction with the spirit of God and the mind of God, and absolutely God wants to help us in that call. Now, again, God's order is seen in the word, it's seen in creation, and it's seen as well in him putting authorities in place authorities to absolutely point people to the authority of god oftentimes that doesn't happen but that's god's heart and mind and design about putting authorities in place and notice here again in the first verse it says let every soul be subjected to the governing authorities every soul god does not want us to be a rebellious people but he wants us to be a people that walk by faith, that trust in God. And part of that is yielding to the authorities that God puts in our lives. We're to be submitted to those authorities. We won't talk about it a lot this morning, but we talked last week about the authority of the home, how absolutely God has called the man to lead the home. So clear in scripture. He says he made a man man first and then he created woman. And it's not putting man in the place of being superior to the woman, but man even having more of a burden on him, more of a responsibility to love his wife as Christ loves the church, to put her above himself. In fact, the scripture says that the husband is to honor his wife. And the only way a man can properly do that is if he is under the authority of God being led by God himself. But an order in the home. An order in church, we talked about this. The clear calling, again, to qualified pastors, elders that, again, are men, to lead a congregation as they are being led by the Lord, the call to shepherd them. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He does not lead them for selfish gain, for self-promotion, but he leads them into green pastures that they would be blessed as he has a place of watching over their souls. And this is, again, a hot topic of subject, a a, a hot subject this morning or in the world today in the church, though it shouldn't be, this push to put women in the pulpit to be leading congregations. It's not biblical. It's not scriptural. That gets some people upset. Maybe you weren't here last week. You're like, what's this this male chauvinist talking about? Look at you got a problem with God, not with me, if you don't like that. Your problem's with God. Oh, we're in the 21st century. doesn't matter. God's word's the same. And anything, we need to wind it back to how things were in the last century, probably the one before that. 
And is this, again, an oppression of women? No. Women have a wonderful role and function in the church, as important as men's function in the church. But God said, I created man first and then woman. And when you get a woman in the pulpit as an elder or as a pastor, doesn't matter how good of a Bible teacher she is, she is undermining the home every time she's in that pulpit. Again, it's not to say that a woman can't teach men. It's in in the sense of learning from a woman. I mean, we're fools, men, if we don't listen to our wives and get their insights and so forth. But in the position of leading a congregation, there's a difference in that. We have some books in the bookstore that women wrote. They're wonderful, fantastic, great insights. But they're not leading the congregation. They're not a pastor. They're not an elder. Because when they're in place, again, now the message is being preached, the women should run the household. And you see this in various denominations today, this push. And I'm telling you, it's a move to undermine the authority of God and God's order in these things. And then in society, God puts order. And listen, this text here predominantly is addressing the authority in culture, in nations, governments, governors, kings put into place to lead people again. God's heart of mind, they would lead people under them being led by the Lord. There's not a lot of that in the world today. We'll get more into that, but that's God's heart in this order. And again, over all of this is God himself. First Chronicles 29, 11, you are exalted as head over all. And so let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. And this is where I encourage you to look at your own life. Are you subjected to those governing authorities? Or do you make provision for rebellion in certain areas to justify yourself when in reality in doing that, notice verse two, you're not just resisting that authority, you're resisting the ordinance of God, you're resisting God himself. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So often it's the case when people do not want to submit to the authority. And again, not in the authority asking you to sin, but just saying this is the way things are done. And you're not always going to like the way that authority says this is the way things are done. Has anyone noticed that? But when you yield to that, you get favor from the Lord. And favor from the Lord is always better than judgment from the Lord. I I think we'd all agree with that, right? But notice verse two, and this takes steps of faith. This takes trusting God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. There's consequences. With rebellion comes consequences. Sometimes those consequences come quickly. Sometimes, listen, they come over a period of time. Some of those consequences won't come until people stand before God Almighty. Look at these consequences can come. This judgment can come. Ultimately, it comes from the Lord. We'll see, though, authority does have a sword. It can come from our own sin, chasing us, you know what, hindering us, holding us back, God allowing that to happen. It can come from fines and restrictions from jail. It can come from God woodshedding his people. Again, God coming in and chastening his own. It can come from the loss of rewards at the beam of seat judgment. Again, we know we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved to his glory and honor. And then from there as believers, we have gifts and times and talents that's been given to us to use for the glory of God. But if someone walks in rebellion during the entirety of their Christian life, bearing those gifts, look at there is going to be a day of great regret of the loss of reward because you had to do it your way versus being yielded to his way. And then the ultimate judgment in, yielding, in not yielding to the ultimate authority would be the individual who dies without Christ, a place of eternal hell that Jesus spoke of so often. Again, not that he took pleasure in it, but because he wanted to see souls saved from it even declaring that he would go to the cross and die and resurrect three days later and that whoever would believe in him, whoever would turn to him would have forgiveness and everlasting life. Now we spent a lot of time on this next, uh, this, this next uh, subject, 
last week. I'm just going to briefly go over it right now. Again, the big question that always comes up with this is, what if the authority commands me to sin against God? The authority requires me to go against God's word. Well, it's real simple. We honor God. (laughs) We know the first and great commandment is to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We see that in Matthew 22. Look at it, it's reiterated in all the Gospels. And then in John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. So if the highest call is to love God from the highest authority, and to love God means I keep his commandments, it means if someone says, Follow my authority, break God's commandments, no, I yield to God, not to that authority, not yielding to the authority of God's word. And scripture is full of these examples. There in Exodus 1, and we talked a lot about this last week, the midwives who were commanded by Pharaoh, the highest authority in the land of Egypt, to kill the Jewish or the Israeli baby boys when they came forward. They said, you need to kill these boys. And they refused to do it because they feared God. And beautifully, God kept them and God showed them favor God provided households for them as he said, we're going to do what God's called us to do. And no doubt there were threats put on them. No doubt, you know what, if you don't do this, this or that's going to happen. But instead they stood before the Lord. They absolutely stood on the word of God and God made a way for them. You see it in Daniel 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bend knee to that idol set up by Nebuchadnezzar that they were to bow down and worship lest they would lose their life they said we won't do that we're going to honor god and god honored them you see it with daniel and the command not to pray to anyone but the king for 30 days he said i'm going to pray to god i love it they issue the decree and that day he goes home and does as he always did he didn't pray in silence but he opened the windows like he always did three times a day and he prayed to god god kept daniel you see it with jesus even in matthew 12 where the Pharisees have manipulated the law of God saying you can't heal on the Sabbath. What did Jesus do? He went and he healed on the Sabbath. He did the will of the Father, not the will of the Pharisee. Oh Lord, let that be us. And you see it with the early church throughout Acts. You see so many times they're commanded not to preach Jesus. They're commanded, you know what, not to be declaring the gospel. In fact, they're told not to. They go and they do it. In Acts 4, they're told not to. Acts 5, they do. And then they gather them together and they say, hey, didn't we strictly command you not to preach Jesus? And they said there in Acts 5, 29, we ought to obey God rather than man. We talked about the last few years. You know, where this really hit us maybe for the first time at the church level. When we were commanded, you can't have church. Well, God's called us to have church. God's called us to gather together. And so again, after the initial, you can't have church, you know, being told, you know, the whole world's gonna end more or less and observing things and praying and going about it in a wise way, we moved everything outside and we said, we're having church. Even before they said, you can have church. And we told those in authority, we're gonna have church. And praise God, many of the authority even said, yeah, we agree you should have church. And we had church. And we're having church. Isn't it good to have church? And then they said, you can't sing to God at church, though. And we're like, no, God's called us to sing to God. We're going to sing to God at church. And so I think it was wonderful for us to even be put in that place. It's a gut check. Sadly, there's some churches still not having church. I, I don't understand even now even today you're like what in the world yes it's still the case there's a difference between coming together in church and video church video church is not the wave of the future look at if you're sick absolutely watch at home if you're out of town watch at home but if you are capable of coming out take a step of faith we need to be laying hands on one another encouraging one another exhorting one another and so forth we're called to assemble together and not to forsake that as is the manner of some i don't want to be i don't want that to be my manner we're to gather together and all the more as we see the day of the lord approaching again yield to the authority of god in this and boy there's blessing found in it again hebrews speaks to this in hebrews 10 24 and 25 and then we also talked about the area of conscience 
provided we don't have a seared conscience, a selfish conscience, a conscience that has been moved from truth to error, that is led by the influence of the world or the flesh. But if a conscience is yielded to the Lord, there's various areas where there's going to be a variety of different viewpoints from the position of the conscience. Later in Romans, Paul gets into this. He gets into it in 1 Corinthians. Look at there in the early church in that first century, eating meat was a big thing. Eating meat with blood in it was a big thing. The Jews under the law were called not to eat meat with blood. The Gentiles coming out of idolatry, a lot of their pagan worship had to do with eating meat with blood. In Christ Jesus, in the new covenant, you are free to eat all the meat that you want. But some people, because of where their conscience was, they didn't feel right eating that meat. Even though they were free in Christ, they would eat that meat and afterwards they would have a guilty conscience. And so they weren't eating meat without in faith. And so again, Paul even instructs them in Romans 14. He says in verse 23, whatever is not from faith is sin. So they would be sinning against their conscience eating that meat. And so again, in doing that, they're sinning against God. They were fine not to eat the meat. They were fine to eat the meat. But the conscience needs to be clear in eating the meat or not eating the meat. We need to do what we do out of faith. And so in those areas where we're called to do something that goes against a conscience that's not seared, that's not selfish, we honor God in honoring our conscience. And again, we went into a lot of detail with that last week. I'm not going to get into it again. Also, though, the last note we finished on last week, when we're talking about submitted to governing authorities, we're in a unique situation in this country and that we're we're not a democracy, we're a republic. And we have a constitution. And that constitution is made up by, with God-given rights, a recognition. These rights are given by God. And ultimately, our you know what authorities are to be yielded to the authority of the constitution and so when the powers of be go against the constitution we have provision in our laws to say no 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 we're not we're not going to do that and again so we're in a unique we're in a very blessed place in that we're in a far more blessed place than even our neighbors to the north even in canada people are like, oh that's the same it's not the same and so absolutely We want to be yielded to the governing authorities in the proper place. And even in this position that we have, you can have recalls, there's elections, there's certain things that, again, that would go against a, a constitution just like the freedom of religion, which, again, the freedom of speech, the freedom of assembly. Now, we know there's a higher authority. Come together, worship God, but also our constitution says these things are unconstitutional. And hear this, in those two years of trying to arrest pastors and fine churches and all that stuff, guess what? Not one fine has been paid because none of it has stood up in court. And so we need to pray for our judges as well because you get a corrupt judge with a corrupt politician and then you got even more corruption. So again, we want to navigate all this well. And part of navigating it well is looking at the full context here of these seven verses. Notice verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be afraid of the authority? Unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you'll have praise from the same. So again, rulers and those in authority are expected by God to bless those who do good. You can say to praise those that do good, to reward those who do good. Quickly, what if they don't do that? What if they're a terror to good works? instead of a terror to evil well then do i have a cause to rebel again our ultimate authority is god's word and there is going to be at times as we saw the last year in those examples where we're called to do something that god's not calling us to do but you're also going to have many a times when those that are in authority they're not necessarily calling you to sin or go against god's word but they're harsh they don't treat you kindly they oppress those that they're ruling over notice any of that in the world today 
just oppressive laws to try to again put foot on neck and to lord over those that they're actually supposed to be serving well what do we do in that case we're called to submit to authority oh i don't want to hear that anti-american we want to be pro-biblical notice what the scripture says first peter 2 18 servants be submissive to your masters with all fear not only to the good and gentle are you ready for this but also to the harsh for this is commendable notice next it because of conscience towards god one endures grief suffering wrongfully again we need to have a right conscience before god that yes there's authority over me and they are oppressing me but my conscience towards god is not seared and absolutely it's in line in god's word which is calling me to be submitted even to a harsh task master notice verse 20 for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently but when you do good and suffer if you take it patiently notice here this is commendable before god for to this you were called what i was called to have a harsh taskmaster it's a fallen world guys there's a lot of harsh taskmasters in it to this you were called because christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps what are his steps notice what it says verse 22 who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth who when he was reviled did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore sins in his own body on the tree that when we who have died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep going astray but now return to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls christ who was without sin was reviled by men he was beaten by men but he knew it was the will of the father that he would lay down his life for others and i know this is where some are crying out in their heart but wait a minute jesus didn't live in joe biden's america no he lived in caesar's rome that severely oppressed the people of god that had legalized slavery and slaves in the millions up to a third of the population were slaves and rome that crucified the son of god yes the jews and the romans together and really our sin included put jesus to the cross and so we need to take that to heart look at we'll see in a minute that god uses even that oppression for good in the life of the believer so we are called as it says here to do good though the rulers again they're not meant to be a terror to good works and here's the thing generally generally even today if you biblically honor authority hear this generally today in most cases if you biblically honor authority are you ready for this much will go well for you much will go well look at before i came to the lord or back to the lord at 22 i didn't honor a lot of authority i got pulled over constantly by the police multiple times i had cops pointing their guns at me we'll 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 stop the stories there (laughs) everywhere i went it seemed like there was dust kicked up and things weren't going good i yielded to the lord and said okay lord i want to do things the right way to honor you not to suppress my manhood i was being a boy then but to become a man men are submitted to god and all of a sudden guess what i didn't have to look behind my shoulder anymore when i was driving around even in the same low rider that i drove before and i had a confidence if i'm pulled over you know what i'm honoring god i don't have to fear anything now again do you want to be unafraid of the authority do what is good and you'll have praise from the same 
Now, most likely, listen, you're not going to get a medal for driving the speed limit. You might get a ticket. You might not get the praise today from the authorities that be. But again, if you're not playing speed racer, you don't have to be afraid of getting a ticket. If you pay your taxes, you don't have to be afraid, even if you're audited, not that anyone wants that. If you're not assaulting people, stealing, committing crimes, if you don't have that I do as I will attitude and you ignore laws, if you're not doing those things, you don't need to be afraid. But if you are, you should be afraid. Oh, I I don't fear men. I only fear God. If you fear God, then you yield to authority. And if you don't yield to authority, you are not fearing God. The fear of God is to honor his word. Notice verse four, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. Oh, someone's got a sword. (laughs) And listen, swords aren't just used to say, hey, get in line, buddy. They're used to cut people. They're used to cut people down. They're used to even take lives. They don't bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So again, he is God's minister to you for good. So when you honor that authority, You honor God. Husbands, elders, pastors, kings, governors, and so forth are supposed to be there for your good, for your benefit. According to God's word, not your selfishness, because sometimes, oh, good for me is I get to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. No, supposed to be for your good according to God's word. Again, for your good and their example, and bringing order, supplying need, leading well, planning, punishing evil, rewarding good, so on and so forth. As we talked about last week, that at the minimum, you know what, there would be some semblance of order in these places versus utter anarchy. And I'll tell you, utter anarchy, in most cases, is way worse. So he's supposed to bless those that do good, punish those that do evil. Now listen, in the context of our government, there are some things that they're not there to do. And boy, it would do a lot of people good if they learned this. The government is not there to be your God. They're not there to raise your kids. They're not there to solve all your problems. They're not there to make sure you don't get sick. They're not there to tell you what is acceptable thought and speech They're not there to monitor your every move. And when a government starts moving into that, they are overriding the authority given to them. And guess what? There's always a greater judgment. There's a greater judgment on the authority that does not reward those that do good. There is a greater judgment on the authority that does not punish evil. Whether it's the government with catch and release or even the parent that never corrects their child. Oftentimes, the judgment is just that child running amok. Oh, boy, you know what? Have fun with that, right? But there's a greater account. We looked at it last week, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not grief. That would be unprofitable for you. And Ezekiel 3 talks about the watchman. Now, the watchman had a place of authority. And if the watchman did his job in warning about an incoming army, again, the blood of the people is not on their hands. But if he doesn't do his job, their blood is on his hands. Again, for a pastor, he says, they watch over your soul. That's a heavy thing. Pastors should be about yielding to God and ministering to people, not self-promotion. Now, again, in our lives, when a minister is not for our good when they are doing the opposite on any level when we yield as long as we're not asking to be to to sin we are to yield and we need to know when that's the case we were told earlier in romans romans 8 28 we know all things work together for good for those that love god to those who are called according to his purposes you need to know that There's times when God's going to put an oppressive authority in your life that your flesh is, I want out of this. And maybe in some cases you have an option to get out of that and you need to seek the Lord. But there's going to be times when that happens and it's going to seem like a bad thing. 
but God's going to use it for good in your life. That might be the very catalyst that he uses to get you on fire for him again, to get you seeking and groping after him again. There's all kinds of different ways that Lord would use that for good. I know this in the last two and a half years, in the last two and a half years, I've seen the things going on in the world used for great good in the lives of individuals that truly know the Lord. I'll say this, in the 25 years or so that I've pastored, the last two and a half years have been the most real Christianity I've ever seen in this church. I know in my own life, boy, game plan's done. You really need to seek after the Lord. Especially, listen, there were seasons when we were getting threats continually on the phone. We'd have people even show up trying to kick up dirt try to threaten, do this or that. And it's like, we got to keep our eyes on God. We had to take some steps of faith. But God uses that for good, man. God uses that to grow us and to wake us up. And guess what? We need to be awake in this hour. We don't want to be those virgins that fell asleep, especially the ones without oil in their lamp. We want to be awake about the business of God. And let's face it, a lot of this stuff going on has woke up a lot of people in a good sense and you want to stay awake with your eyes on the lord and if you're starting to slumber slap yourself in the face and say wake up man life's short i need to be about the business of god now again they bear that sword and he says if you do evil you should be afraid he has the authority to punish and that sword's not a vain thing It's to be executed and hope that people would repent and fear God and there would be order. There should be a sword in the home. Again, used in a proper manner and way in love. But parents are called to discipline their children. They're given a rod to do so. Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him properly. But even this is under assault. Even a mindset today of, you know what, well, let them free-spirited everywhere they go, you know. They're just a free spirit. Let them run amok. Doesn't matter what they do, when they do it. Doesn't matter they don't listen to them. And and that's that's promoted today. They're, They're trying to make these children adults and so forth for other reasons as well that are wicked. But parents in your home, especially dad in that home, you have a sword or a rod to discipline your child. Oh, pastor sees promoting child abuse. No, it's abuse of not to discipline your children. All of them can be disciplined different ways. I had some kids, I look at them and they'd burst out in tears and others ones were, I gotta go, okay, here comes the rod, man. Here comes the belt. And then if that, that didn't hurt, well, I'll lay into it now. I don't know how many times over the years, though, someone, I, I think of a handful, maybe more times where a parent comes and, my kid's out of control. What do I do? Do I have a book to read? Read Proverbs. Well, I don't want to read that. It says to use the rod. I don't want to use the rod. You're in rebellion against God. Flat out, you wonder why your kids are in rebellion? You're in rebellion against God. Why well, didn't? Didn't work. What should I do? Keep doing it. Never out of anger. Look, and a rod corrects. A rod also leads into green pastures. We're not talking about battering your children here. We're talking about correcting them. Notice, because it will, well, in Scripture says it talks about saving their souls. Here's the thing. If they don't fear or respect you who they can see, you think they're going to fear and respect God who they can't see? In church discipline. I praise God I haven't, had to use a rod but a few times over the years but look at there's a process of discipline in the church not with people struggling with sin but people who would maybe promote that be unrepentant of it would try to set a standard of again the practice of gross immorality or whatever it would be scripture talks about going to that person bringing a witness then bringing it to the church And then if that's not received, you treat them as a tax collector. You remove them from the church. 
But know this, the first step always starts with an individual who's aware of something. And you take that step in hopes that person will repent, not to tattle on them or get them or anything like that. Because oftentimes that's how that's used. But Paul talks about this to those in Corinth. He says, you gotta purge out the leaven or it will, leaven will come to the whole lump. It's not a pleasurable thing to do. Just as disciplining your children, it's not a pleasurable thing to do. It's true when the parent says, this hurts me more than it hurts you. No one wants to do that, but it has to be done. It's part of God's authority. And then with government, again, the government is given the sword to bring fines, to bring prison, to bring loss of privileges, and in some cases, a literal sword or capital punishment. Now, I don't have that authority. Look at Batman's outside of the guides of Scripture. But there is an authority given by the government. And a big part of it is that literal sword to literally take life in the case where someone would take another life. People say, how can you be pro-life and for the capital punishment? Because life is so precious. If you willfully take another life, it should cost you your life. That's how precious it is. Notice Genesis 9, 6. They got off the ark and God says, whoever sheds man's blood, that man's blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made them. And then he gives the law to Israel, Exodus 21, 12. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. And then Paul in Acts 25, they're bringing charges against Paul. And Paul says in verse 11, if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, noted what he says, I don't object to dying. He goes, I don't object to capital punishment. If I have done something worthy of it, I don't object to it. Now, this is where people say, well, wait a minute, you know, you're going to take DNA and and use that to take someone's life? Look at the Bible's balanced. Numbers 3530, whoever kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the testimony of witnesses. But one witness is not, uh, not sufficient testimony against a person for the death penalty. So again, there has to be a convincing body of evidence but this is biblical. Sadly, we're in a day though where life is not held in high regard by much of culture. Again, it's seen in the assault on life in the womb. It's seen in our government proposing laws in this state that you can kill a baby after that baby's born, trying to get that passed. So, you know, they're starting with the week, but I know that that date will get pushed down the line where there's no prosecution of Someone takes their baby's life. Oh, where are you getting this, Steve? Please go research, it's there. These things have come up to the state assembly and so forth and votes on these things. Even the idea again of old people, they're a burden, so we want to get rid of them. When instead, elders should be respected and taken care of and held in honor. Look, at when a whole culture's entertainment predominantly revolves around the taking of life, you're gonna get people that don't regard life. And I'll just tell you this and we'll move on. The issue that we have in our country isn't a gun problem, it's a heart problem. And I just laugh at certain individuals that say, oh boy, you don't take away all the guns, but Meanwhile, many of these voices produce movies that all it is is guns and killing and shooting and video games is just killing, 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 killing. And when you got that and you take God out of all of it, you become a godless culture, you're gonna have chaos. You're gonna have it. There's a place for self-defense in scripture. Just as there is the place for capital punishment throughout scripture. But if men are rebellion and cultures get rebellious against God, it's gonna be chaos and disorder. And that's what you see going on around us. Now, again, it says he'll bring vengeance or wrath through these authorities. Remember in the last chapter, God said, leave room for the wrath of God. Don't take vengeance on yourself. Oftentimes that happens through the authority. God will use that authority to bring his wrath. And again, he does that in hopes people would repent. 
I mean, why do you correct your child in hopes that they would repent and not to do things that are detrimental to them and they would have a humble, yielded heart to the authority, ultimately to the authority of God? Again, if you let your kid do whatever they want to do and they run the home, you are not loving God and you're not loving your children. Period. And I have to say it like that because you see so much of it in the culture. And I say it like that to encourage you, mom, encourage you, dad. Let the Lord go before you in it. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. And listen, most people today have the hearts of children, even in the culture, running around. Again, we're in a time of increased lawlessness. The Lord said that would be the case in Matthew 24, 12, in the last days. And that's their so often because, again, this idea of yielding to authority has been so broken down, starting with those in authority, not yielding to the authority of God. Now, quickly here, fallen men and carnal Christians often, oftentimes desire, again, I should ask the question, if, God minister, if God's ministers are for good, why are there so many evil ministers <laughs> Here's the thing, fallen men and carnal Christians, they desire wicked leaders. Leaders that appeal to their flesh. Yes, carnal Christians. This is scriptural. 2 Timothy 4, 3, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers and turn their ears away from truth and turn their ears to fables. They say, I don't, I don't want a pastor that teaches the Bible. I don't want a pastor that says, discipline your kids. I don't want a pastor that says, submit to authority. I want someone that comes along and ministers to my flesh. Tell me how God will give me all my earthly desires. That's what I want to hear. Tell us fables, not truth. Oftentimes in the past, people would say on a point like this, this is, how a lot of mega churches became mega churches. They tried to meet people's felt needs versus giving them what they need, the word of God. And you see a destruction in Christianity in America from it. Sadly, today, it's a lot of local churches as well. You got wolves leading hirelings instead of pastors being led by the spirit of God and the word of God. And listen, it's a thing where many people that name the name of Christ, that's what they want. They want their ears tickled. They say, I don't want to leave church feeling convicted. I don't want to feel like I gotta, I'm kicking rocks on the way out. And again, it's not that we are unencouraged in the Lord. The growth comes from correction and rebuke as well as from edification and equipping. And yet very often you don't get it. Why? Avenized people flock to evil ministers they don't want to give the full counsel of God's word. And it's the same in cultures. So oftentimes leaders are a reflection of the people they lead. God will give an evil people over to their heart. You see it in the scriptures. Again, the people flocked for Nimrod after the flood. Israel chose Saul to be their king. A man like them. A man like the worldly kings. At Calvary, again, they chose Caesar. The Jews chose Caesar over the Lord. Many Antichrists chosen today. And listen, soon the beast himself, the Antichrist himself, the scripture says he rises up out of the sea and the sea biblically is the nations because the nations are so wanting a leader that is godless. Our culture is wanting to wash itself of the things of God. And if you go read 2 Thessalonians 2, I don't have time to read it. But if you read through that, you'll see this man of lawlessness rises up to govern over a world. Why? Because they do not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They have pleasure in unrighteousness. And so God says, that's what you want. That's what I'm going to give you. Now, ultimately, listen, God uses all this for good. He's using it all. He'll use the Antichrist for good and that he's winding down the dispensation that we're in and it will bring in the judgment of God and usher in the millennial reign of Christ. He uses this to draw oppressed men to himself. He uses this to shape his people through the fire 
as well as to bring forth his prophetic word. So verse 5, it says, Therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. So again, honor God. God will honor you. It will work well for you. And also in that, you have a clear conscience. Look at a clear conscience is a wonderful thing. It's far better to be in a place where you're oppressed, yielded to authority, and you can lay in bed tonight with a clear conscience than being in a place of bondage from a guilty conscience. Or worse yet, moving into a place of a seared conscience because of your resistance against God. I don't think there's anything more valuable practically in a person's life than a cleared conscience. And if you got a seared one, you need to get that before the Lord and ask God to soften it up. We'll close on these last few thoughts here. For because of this, you also pay taxes for their God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Jesus taught, pay your taxes. Give Caesar what Caesar's, give God what is God's. Some say, oh, but my taxes are wasted or my taxes are spent on evil or my taxes are stolen. And I'd say, yeah, I agree with that in a lot of cases. But taxes are also used for a lot of good things. Fill that pothole in the ground. Have that police officer show up when there's an incident. Your house gets on fire. Aren't you glad when the fire department shows up? You thank God when, when the, you know, when that little fire started in that outbuilding and the fire department came down, did you fall on your knees and say, thank you, Lord, that I pay taxes? Think about it. Again, the heart behind this is to bring an order into a culture. Better than the anarchy. I think even right now where we are, Far better to have police and sheriff and fire and pave roads than if all of this was gone and every man was left to his own doings. So, oh, that sounds good to me. Bro, it's gonna get crazy when it gets like that. And it looks like it's going to at some point in the tribulation. Oh, I'm a tough guy. You ain't gonna be a tough guy when the whole mob comes for you. You know what I'm saying? We wanna stand in the toughness of Jesus and say, God's my covering. And I walk in confidence in faith because I yield to the Lord. So again, finally, again, if you, own ta- if you owe taxes, guess what? Pay your taxes. Some will say, well, I'm free in Christ. I don't have to pay. Look at the Lord told his disciples, you're free. Read the text there in Matthew 17 when they asked for temple tax. He says, the sons are free. We're under grace, not the law. But he said, you need to pay it though, lest you offend them or you stumble them or actually the word in the Greeks where we get the word scandal. Because we use our freedom to honor God and we use our freedom to represent God, not to be rebellious against God. And your witness to that government is more important than you doing what you wanna do. So we pay taxes, we pay customs, a type of of tax, We give fear or honor to whom it's due. Again, that place of authority, we give honor to it. And we don't, we don't fear God. And again, honor to where it's due. The scripture says in 1 Peter, we'll close on this, 1 Peter 2, 17, honor all people. And I have a series of verses there of this call to honor. Honor your father and mother. Husbands, honor your wife. Honor the elders, honor your masters, honor all people. Then notice at the top, honor the king. I don't like my king, though. I don't want to honor him. You don't have to like everything he does. And absolutely, Jesus called out the wickedness of Herod. And we're not called just to sit on our hands, but we're called to expose darkness with light. But we do need to honor the positions of authority even in this land let's do better than the world in that can we say amen to that because like i said last week if you got a let go let's go brandon sticker on your car you're not going to be winning people that vote in approval to the lord jesus christ 
I want to make a statement, though. Well, what's more important, your statement or that person's salvation? I was blessed on Wednesday night. I had a brother said, when you said that last week, he goes, you were looking and talking right to me. And I go, I was? Well, he's not literally. He goes, I recognize I have this next to a, a, a bunch of Christian bumper stickers. How am I going to witness to somebody that's ignorant, that needs Christ, that's caught up again in an ideology that's not biblical? I want to build a bridge to save them and win them to Christ in truth, not to burn a bridge to not have that opportunity. Does that make sense? I understand the sentiments and the frustration behind it, but let's do better than the world and let's honor God by honoring the king and absolutely praying for the salvation of those in those places of authority. For goodness sakes, this probably should have been a three-part. <laughs> oh, well. Well, I have the worship team come up. You guys good with a couple more minutes here worshiping God? If you need to get going, you can, but let's worship the Lord here. Let's close in prayer and let's finish well. Lord, we praise you and give you glory. Let's, let's stand up and do that. Lord, we praise you and give you glory. We thank you that you are the high authority and you are good, Lord. Lord, help us to navigate these things and navigate them as we're being led by you. Bless your people here this morning. Look, if you don't know the Lord Christ loves you, he died for your sins, he wants to wash you, forgive you, and give you eternal life. The word of God says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I hope we've all done that. If you haven't, call on him. And again, Lord, help us in these things. We, we need your help. We pray for our president and our governor. We pray for these people in authority that don't know you. And it seems that's many of them by the profession of their mouth. We pray for their salvation, God. And I pray in this day that, Lord, you would raise your church up to be a people truly set apart for you, God. Again, we bless you and we honor. Let's worship the Lord here as we, as we finish. at his feet he breaks the bow and bends the spear and tells the wars to cease oh mighty one of israel you are on our side we walk by faith in god who burns the chariots with fire lord of hosts your
Amen. Listen, God bless you. I pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus.